This is a global original podcast. Hello, my name is Gordon Glenister. Welcome to Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. I'm the co-founder of BCMA Influence, which is a professional membership association that represents the influencer marketing industry. And my objective is to interview some of the most interesting people in the world of influencer marketing. And in the next 30 minutes, get real insights, ideas and tips to help you better understand the fascinating world of influence. I'm delighted to welcome one of the top influencer marketing specialists in the industry, Andrew Campy, who runs the very popular Influencer Weekly newsletter. Isn't that right, Andrew? Yeah, it's well, it's well known amongst some people. And I wouldn't necessarily call myself a specialist. I'm more of an influencer marketing generalist. So we're delighted to have you on the Influence podcast today. Um, what are you finding, uh, in your opinion, are some of the top trends that are happening right now in the market? Because we've seen lots of changes, haven't we, with COVID-19. But more broadly, what's happened, in your opinion, over the last 12 months? Yeah, so this question like has two answers, right? Because it's sort of, if, if you're asking the last 12 months, there is the first nine months of that and the last three months of that are totally different. Generally speaking, I'm seeing every trend that existed in the first nine months and before. Every trend is accelerating towards online. We have data like Bank of America shows that the percentage of online sales in the U.S. increased as much in in eight weeks as it had in 10 years. (laughs) If we feel like we've gone through a decade already in the first half of 2020, it's because we have. It used to be the conversation was like, look at growth year over year, at least percentage growth year over year of total internet users, then look at that as a sub, then look a subset of that as a total social media users, then look at that, uh, then look at a subset of that and say, well, here's like creators and influencers is those subsets. Well, what happened is everything above it just absolutely smashed records. And like, like if you're going up and to the right, it's very up and to the right as a trend. And if you were already going down into the right as a trend, it's really down. Like newspapers, print, uh, out of home, all of that is just, all, all of those traditional marketing spends just got blown up. I reported, like, not I reported, but I reported on a report a few weeks ago, traditional marketing was down 49%, but uh, influencer marketing was only down like 33%. So it's like above index. <laughs> and do you think because more people are online, influencers are engaging with their followers more, there's no photo shoots, no events. In other words, they're just being there for them. In fact, the word community has been banded around a lot more. There's a real substance to this now more than ever. Do you agree with that? Yeah. And I think maybe I, I wasn't too specific and I'll get more specific. It's like every trend that was a trend before is just um, accelerated. But that also means good and bad. Right. So this time last year, we had a, like a very big discussion in the influencer world and creator world about mental health, um, burnout, screen time was a big issue. Well, all of the negative aspects of that has also increased. Like now there's nothing else. Now you have people who were 
uh, already spending most of their time online, now spending all of their time online. You had an issue where, I guess like two or three years ago, there was a big issue of like, what is the second screen? And now the second screen is, it, it's, there is no second screen, there's many screens. So there's a really an interesting tr trend, again, good and bad, right? Um, we have had in the influencer world and creator world, we also have had a lot of harassment, bullying, um, the, like, these things that we've been trying to fix and, and harness and platforms that have tried to fix and harness Facebook and Instagram and Twitter have all tried um, um, spam problems and harassment problems. Um, and, and it just made them worse. Like everyone's now there and it's like, Oh, someone who, for instance, if you were a creator, say, six months ago, wanted to take a break from social media, just a break, and you're like, I'm going to come back in three months. Well, that might have been cut short. You might have come back after a month or two weeks. Maybe you said March 15th. You're in the U.S. You're like, March 15th, I'm, I'm going to put down the phone for two weeks. And it's like, oh, I can't. Like, I I would starve. I would. I would go out of my mind. Like I. I can't do that. Do you think there's a greater desire now from fans and followers to want even more from their content creators? I mean, content takes real time to do, and how's this affecting the trends? So to answer that, and and the other question from earlier is like, yeah, every metric is up. So view time is up on every platform. That's uh, social media, but also live streaming. Uh, I'm getting reports now every couple of weeks from GameSite who says that Twitch, uh, a, first off, Twitch total amount of view time is up, but also engagement is up. Also, like sponsored, sponsored content engagement is up. So the interesting part of that is, yes, the, the main cause is that we just have more of a desire, but you also have to have the content. And as you said, like content takes time and effort and but you have a lot of different ways to create content and interact with the community now. One of the biggest trends in with creators I've seen and influencers and influencer marketing over the last, say, three years has been cross promotion or cross, sorry, cross platform and cross um, everything like crossing online and offline. It used to be like VidCon was a big, huge hit because it was that in IRL in real life experience of being online. But we've seen an explosion, at least in the creator side, like everybody has multiple platforms and, and make and monetizes them. In influencer marketing is not just like, I, I need a YouTube campaign. It, it's never one platform. I, I cover influencer marketing now, but I was in the in industry a couple of years ago for a couple of years and not a single campaign was ever only one platform. So who makes the call to which social platform to work with? Is it the brand or is it sometimes suggested by the creator? Well, it's always different, right? So, I mean, a marketer or a marketing CMO at a large corporation is going to have a different strategy than like an e-commerce watch. Like we, we've seen... We've seen single platform campaigns work, right? With Daniel Wellington, MVMT movement, um, watches like just blew up on Instagram. Everybody's wearing a watch for the last three years. And we, we know those because they're easy case studies. It, it, it is harder to find like the results and case studies of like, here's a cross promotional experience, but 
But I mean, I think everybody does it and everybody decides to do it. Like the ideal is that you do it in service to the, to the audience. Like where is the audience and where do they hang out already? And how do you, how can this brand integrate themselves appropriately? Sephora is probably not going to do too well on like Reddit, for instance. Sephora is putting their entire brand's uh, worth on and, and money and effort into Instagram, but then also YouTube. And would you say the majority of influencer marketing campaigns are on Instagram or YouTube? This is hard. This is hard to say because there's two majorities, right? There's a majority of campaigns and then majority of revenue or money. Like where's the money being spent? Well, YouTube campaigns are much, much harder and more expensive. And Instagram technically has the most users, but, it, but they're like consumers. There's a debate there of like, where is the majority of the money and where is the majority of campaigns? I, you know, I really can't say off the top of my head. I mean, uh, the biggest trend that everybody knows is for the last two, two years, it's been all TikTok all the time. TikTok's just taking every ounce of uh, attention. But you know what's been the biggest growth and what I feel like is sort of the big one that nobody talks about is YouTube. Like videos on YouTube last forever. Now, I wanted to ask you a little bit about metrics. What do you think are some of the key metrics marketeers want to see? This, again, has two answers. One, if, if you asked me three months ago or six months ago and one now, but th- there was a um, report. I'm, I am so sorry because I forgot who, who reported this, but it, I have the chart. It, I literally put the chart in my newsletter last week or the week before, and it asked this question, what is the most important metric? Or what is, what is the p- most important thing to get right this, at, in, the, in this moment? The potential answers were like message, uh, sales, impressions, views. And the thing that jumped out at me was like over 50% said that the most important thing is the right message, not impressions and actually sales, which used to be like a big deal. Like everyone's doing like affiliate deals and everyone's doing uh, trackable codes and like trackable links and trying to track their sales and attribution which has been a huge discussion for the last five years. And we're getting around like to a really good answer and a many answers on how do you attribute sales. But the fact that sales was 0%, like 0% of marketers said that right now is what's important is sales. I was like, that is incredible. You would think that someone would still care about sales, but it was like a really interesting shift. I mean, two months ago, you saw the entire marketing dollars pause. Just everyone didn't spend. And it wasn't that the marketing industry didn't exist. Literally, they were asked, are you stopping your ads or are you pausing your ads? And they were like, no, no, we're just pausing them until we see some light at the end of the tunnel. And it was like probably quarter. So we'll probably see a huge increase in Q3 of just dollars spent because you have to spend your dollars in this fiscal year and you got to get it before the retail. Then every year is always a retail bump in Q4. So yeah, I was like, so it was so interesting to see that it was zero percent sales like was the most important thing right now and that really emboldens my heart it like makes me feel like oh we're all doing the right thing right now like like influencer marketing was never ever a tactic or a strategy that is going to blow the water of uh, of statistics like you're never you're you sort of 
can move around the metrics and say, okay, holistically, we have better, better brand fit. We have more content. We can make more content at scale. We can speak to directly to audience members through influencer content. We can make stuff in influencer content that we could not make ourselves. A brand cannot produce influencer marketing without an influencer. And, and I was like, oh, this is surprising that like we actually have come to the heart of influence marketing. Why it works, it's like to get the right message. So something that's, ha- again, that's happened sort of in, in the last five years that's just accelerated is the fragmentation and specification, I guess, would be called. Agencies are getting slimmer. You can do a lot more now with a lot less, meaning you can buy a, a couple pieces of software for less than the price of a person uh, of a payroll. You can then do more with that piece of software than you could ever teach someone or someone would have to have five years of experience to do it. Campaign management or statistic management or stats or reporting. You know, there are agencies that exist now that are in the hundreds of people. And there's probably 20 to 30% of those people that work there that deal with like customer reporting and just preparing slides and decks. And what's really interesting is you have software like Mighty Scout, Creator IQ, Aspire IQ, and these are pretty darn expensive pieces of software. But when you say like, oh, I don't have to hire three people, it becomes extremely cheap um, and, and effective too, because you're able to do things you never did before. I mean, just in the last six months, I think there's like three or four TikTok influencer discovery platforms searching search databases created. One of them is like Pentos. And like TikTok was famous for not having any ability to like search through and find creators. Two years ago, I, I was working in an agency where all we did was TikTok and YouTube campaigns. And I was the one who they, I had to get all that data I was doing pricing and analytics and now they don't need me at that. It's not that they don't need me actually. They, I made Google Sheets that they need me. The core feature of influencer marketing is the campaign. That is above all, you are going to get uh, the best results from a great campaign, which then has a bunch of influencers in it. Now, whoever creates that campaign is, is going to be, sometimes it'll be a talent manager, sometimes it'll be an agency, sometimes it'll be in-house. And I see that fragmentation continuing that like there are more people that can gather a certain group of influencers at a certain amount at a certain time and do something for a brand. I mean, I've, I've been seeing a lot of different, like it used to be just a PR agencies or in-house. Now it's PR agency, influencer marketing agencies, talent managers. There's even business managers that are doing campaigns. And then we're going to see more slimming down. Like end of Q1 this year, there were a lot of layoffs in the industry and those people aren't, going and sitting at home and they're not going to be hired at another large agency, but they're campaign managers and campaign executives that are like, well, I can, I can probably get three brands to do campaigns with me. And all I have to do is purchase this software and I can run campaigns myself. I don't need a large organization. I don't need that, um, that scale. 20 years ago, you needed a creative agency and a media agency, but an influencer marketing agency is both. You don't need either. You need them both. And then now even like that could be an individual person. I I know a PR company in Florida 
in the States that it's just one woman and she's doing, I think, 10 to 15 campaigns a year for companies around the world. 15 years ago, you wouldn't have heard of that. That's unheard of. It's not even possible, but it's like, yeah, use Google Sheets and a couple of uh, search databases, InfluencerDB or Social Blade or IG Blade, and also create some relationships. If you, every best friend of an influencer is their manager for the first five years of that creator's life. Okay, in the show Entourage, there's like a group of friends around this one actor. And like, that's what influencers are now. It's a group of friends that have come up together. They all build up their platforms together. And then, you know, a brand only needs one group to execute a great campaign across five to 10 influencers. And I actually think this is a benefit of the industry. Like the more people and the more different types of voices we have doing this work, the better it, it, you don't need a hundred person company. You don't need the scale to execute great social media work across five to 10 influencers or 60 influencers or a hundred influencers. But there's companies like um, branded entertainment network or whaler that are putting together thousands of influencers. And that's truly interesting too. This podcast is supported by the Branded Content Marketing Association, promoting the value of influencer marketing globally. That's it for another edition of Influence. Please don't forget to subscribe and let us have your feedback to our email, feedback at influencepodcast.net. Or you can go onto the BCMA website, www.thebcma.info. You can also send me a message on my Instagram too, which is Gordon Glenister. And if you feel like it, it would be great if you could leave us a five-star review. That would be awesome because it really does help us. Thanks also to my producer, Neil Whiteside of Freedom One. So until next time, from me, Gordon Glenister, bye for now.